Welcome to SHIFT, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we've got Shane Bybee on the line with us again from Bybee College Prep. Shane, if you could just uh, please share your background, that'd be really awesome. Uh, thanks, Tyler. Tyler, thanks for letting me uh, be on the podcast again. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, uh, Bybee College Prep is a, is a small boutique college uh, prep company. Uh, we work with around 300 students every year. We help them get their SAT and ACT scores up. We help them get their college applications organized. Um, been doing this for about been doing this full time for eight or nine years now. I've been doing it in some form or fashion for a decade. And then before that, I was a classroom teacher for 20 years. So I've been uh, in the actual public school classrooms and have that perspective on the process as well. Yeah, fantastic. And so today we're going to talk about the, the test optional admissions, right? And just the the sort of the frustrations with it, because I think that the, the biggest the biggest problem to, to sort of start the conversation is that schools are going out of their way to say that they're test optional and you know, my mind is the the movement, the test optional movement has a lot of the right end goals in mind, right? And I wouldn't say that they have necessarily all the, always the right reasons, but they have the right end goals in mind, right? Which is mm-hmm. more accessibility to higher end colleges for yeah. students that may have grown up in situations where they didn't have the same resources that everybody else is applying when it comes to test prep and just, you know, school in general. Mm-hmm. So that's all great, right? Uh, but the problem is the difference between the lip service and the actual results. And so, I'm, you know, the first and kind of most important part of this is the difference in admission admittance rates between students who apply with test scores and students who don't. Yeah. Right. And that's, but, that's definitely the thing that, that, you know, drives me nuts about the whole conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, back when COVID hit in March of 2020 uh, and everything got shut down, started shutting down, uh, around April or so, colleges came out with this, we're, we're going to have a test optional process. No student will be disadvantaged because they don't have a test score. That was just a, a mantra. Every dean of admissions, right. everybody in the admissions office, just no student will be disadvantaged for not having a test score. And that's... It, it was admirable. Uh, they sold it as if they were trying to do it for students, but that's not what they were doing it for. And that's what's really at the the foundation of the test optional decisions that most universities have made. Um, mm-hmm. Colleges were doing it for a practical reason. Uh, of the 2 million students who apply to college every year, roughly 1 million of them take the SAT in March, between March and July. And here, all of a sudden, we saw that all of the tests were getting canceled from March through the July ACT. Like that was going to be the next one. And we weren't sure that one was going to happen. So if colleges had still required test scores for students applying during the fall of 2020, they would have literally said, you have to have something to apply to us. You have to have something that there's no way you can have. And so we're going to cut our customer base in half. We're just going to chop it in half. And that's... For a lot of colleges, it was a matter of survival that mm-hmm. in, they knew that in order to have the freshman class that was going to start in 2021, they had to make decisions right then. What drives me nuts about it is the way it was sold and it and it's been and it's continued to be sold. 
that mm-hmm. way about um, and and uh, you and I've talked outside of this. You know, I can get pretty fired up about this, so I'm going to try not <laughs> to. Um, because people in my line of work get a bad rap a lot of times, and some of it's totally legitimate. There are plenty of people who do test prep and college prep, and promise the moon and don't deliver anywhere close to that. They promise right. all the wonderful things that are going to happen, and all of my clients, and they just they, they can't even come close to delivering it. Uh, there's plenty of and, and that's deceptive, and I hate it. What's also deceptive is for college admissions offices to release data talking about how test optional has helped them has helped them have a more diverse applicant class than they've ever seen before. They had more diverse applications than they'd ever seen before. Right. So that part of it worked. Yeah. So <laughs> when you press them and say, cool, you got a diverse applicant class, who are you admitting? Because it's great that you're letting them apply. Anyone can let them apply. Who are you actually admitting to your school? And when you start breaking that down at selective universities, and that's probably one of the places to talk about because that's the one that everyone compares it to. When you start looking at selective universities, schools that are going to highly selective, that are going to Mm -hmm. uh, admit 20% or fewer of their classes, you suddenly stop hearing about, and it's even more than that. I've I've pushed back with schools that had a 50% acceptance rate. And I said, right. that's great. You say you had this really diverse class. Of the students who you accepted, what percentage uh, did you, what percentage of that class did not submit test scores uh, compared to what percentage did submit test scores? And right. that's And how does data, the diversity of your actual students compare oh, well, to the, the applicants? I'm not right. even looking at, you know, the, the diversity breakdown is we're not even getting into, right? Because then you can start talking about, we have a friend that did a, a friend of mine did a takedown on um, a school. I won't name it here. Uh, his, his blog post did a really effective takedown of one of the admissions officers was complaining uh, about another school, about MIT. You know, MIT famously reinstated the test score requirement this last year. Mm-hmm. And and the you know the line was, imagine being the freshman class at MIT that was so bad. MIT's like, we really need to bring back test scores. Um but what MIT was seeing was that that 760, 780 on the math section of the SAT really did correlate with how successful students would be taking their calculus courses that they require. So for MIT, requiring the test score, well, this particular guy, was he was talking about how, you know, MIT is being exclusive. Well, then we broke down the data. It did not look, it was not favorable to his institution about the diversity percentages. So not even getting into diversity percentages. Let's just get into right. straight up. Okay, you told me that 55% applied with a test score, 45% applied without a test score. What does that translate to in the actual acceptances? Are we seeing a 55-45 split in acceptances? And two years ago, a lot of schools released both sets of data. Uh, this, This percentage applied without test scores, with test scores, and then this percentage was accepted. And they suddenly realized that didn't look good. And so this year, we've seen the number of schools releasing that information drop. And in fact, some schools, when you ask them, flat out say, we are not releasing that information, which tells you what you need to know. The information does not support that narrative that no student will be disadvantaged without a test score. Mm -hmm. The fact is, not having a good test score is an advantage. It is. 
not have, therefore not having a test score when you apply. And I had my own podcast. I had the Dean of Admissions at Trinity University in San Antonio, really successful, really competitive uh, liberal arts school down in San Antonio. And, and his comment was, um, look, if I have a student with a 4.0 and a 1400, I know what that means. When I have a student that applies with just a 4.0, I'm not as sure what that means. It doesn't tell me as much. And all of the data bears it out. GPA plus a test score is a better predictor of student success than GPA alone. GPA is, without a doubt, the best predictor. Test scores are also a good predictor. But right. the combination of the two, you just can't beat. And so the schools that are that are saying to student, you will not be disadvantaged without a test score, I, I don't know if it's willful lying. I don't know if it's... You know, and, and it's kind it, of fudging a little 100%. bit, right? Because they're basically it. It's that if you are, if you have an advantage, if you apply with a good test score, then that means everybody who doesn't apply with a good test score is at a disadvantage, right? Like that's that's kind of just the brass tacks of it. Yeah. But they're they're more saying, oh, we're not going to assign like a negative weight to a lack of a test score, which is probably technically mm -hmm. true, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're probably following kind of the letter of the statement. But in practice, you know, the absence of something being worse than having something is always going to mean that, you know, you should have the thing. And it's, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's Cornell, Cornell and Yale have both made it very clear that if you have a good test score, submit your test score. Right. Right. Now the, the converse of that, and we, we were worried in the process and I've been assured and I had an admissions officer kind of walk me through their process. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I was at a talk with the, uh, the regional rep in our area for Texas A&M. And she, she, she said, look, we're only going to look at your test score if it makes you look better. So submit your yeah. test score. And, and you know, I, I can see how they would do that. Like they would be like, okay, if your GPA, because let's, let's face it, if you've, got a, if you've got good grades, you've figured out how to make good grades. Yeah. Um, to, in a lot of places, a, G, a GPA is as much a compliance index as it is anything else. Uh, mm -hmm. because you can go back in and do makeup tests and extra credit work, and you can bring two cans of food for the food bank. You can do it all kinds of things that go into those GPA points. Um, whereas the, you know, so the, that, that tells you how dedicated you were to getting your grades, making sure your grades were, were superlative. Right. Which is what schools still want. Absolutely. hundred percent. The, the test score tells us what you can do. So my, you know, I, I look at the test score as an SAT or ACT score. That's that's a scale like anything else. Mm -hmm. And my doctors told me I need to lose about 30 pounds. And if I get on my scale and I haven't mm -hmm. lost 30 pounds, my scale, if my scale tells me I'm 30 pounds overweight, that's not the scale's fault. Mm -hmm. It's That's my fault. I didn't. So if, if you have a great grade, because I get this question from parents all the time, the statement that parents make is uh, my student's a good student, but a bad tester. And I'm like, well, no. If your student was a good student, they would have learned the material. So your student was really good at playing school. Your student figured out how to play school. That's what the test score reveals. It's not a reflection of, the, of anything else about your student. Your student figured out that, okay, here's the rubric the teacher gave me to, to complete this assignment. So I'm going to make sure I've done everything on the rubric so I can get full credit. Mm -hmm. The SAT doesn't come with a rubric. If the math teacher has given you 20 problems, and as long as you follow this specific sequence of things, you'll get the right answer on those problems. 
but the SAT doesn't give you that specific sequence. So the, the test score tells us how well you are able to apply those things that your grades say you learned. How well can you apply those things in a novel concept, a concept that your teacher doesn't have control of, that, um, that you know, somebody else can't manufacture, and then that you can't retake. I mean, you, like, you can retake the SAT, right? But you can't – like if I, if I fell a test – You can't retake that one problem. Exactly. Yeah. If I fell a test over you applying the quadratic formula to quadratic equations, well, then I can go back in and get tutorials and then I can retake that same test and that will bring my grade up. And those are the things that aren't reflected in the GPA uh, to the point that, I mean, there are schools out there that are now stripping out just the five core classes, English, math, science, social studies, and foreign language. Just those five classes, first semester, that's the only grades they want to see. And then you've got a school like University of Georgia that does that, and then they require a test score. Now, they require it. Uh, by state law, like the state legislature has said that they are going to require a test score at Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Georgia State. Um, so that's, you know, you have that that spot of it. But like, back to the whole test optional thing and this thing that uh, you know, I, I've talked to you about the schools in your own state who are mm-hmm. famously now test blind. And they make a big deal of that. No student that, that we do not consider your test scores in admissions whatsoever, which mm-hmm. makes it sound like they just don't care about test scores at all. But if you show up at UCLA to take that freshman English class that you need to take, you're going to have to have a 680 on the reading and writing section or a three or a 30 on the English section in order to take that class. And that's buried on their website. That's not forward facing information that's readily given out Um, here in Texas and Oklahoma. If you don't have a certain minimum score by state law, you cannot take, you have to take remedial classes. And so schools saying that you will not be disadvantaged until you enroll in a class. And then you're going to have to take two or three remedial classes, which are going to cost you the full cost. Uh, you're not going to get mm-hmm. any credit for them. And they're going to put you a semester behind your graduation rate. So you've got the living expenses costs that are going to be added onto that. Um so to, to my, my statement in all of this is I, I do think a test optional application is a good option for some students. I mm-hmm. think there are plenty of students who can go off to extremely selective schools. I've got clients that are at really selective schools. They're hardworking kids who are doing great and they apply test optional and got in and did just fine. But I don't want it to be your first option. I don't want the student going into the process thinking, oh, well, I can just apply. My mom says I'm awesome. I can apply and they'll see how awesome I am when that's really not what's going to happen because the schools yeah. aren't, they aren't releasing that information. They aren't releasing the information that confirms that a student will not be disadvantaged. Um, they're they're, they're yeah. giving you all kinds of other details and data that, that helps their narrative. I've kind of gotten all over the place. One of the things I've, I've, I wanted to say is, you know, the, the reason that, that Harvard is going to stay test optional isn't because it's not going to disadvantage disadvantage uh, students. Um, it, it's because if Harvard, because they've gone test optional, they've seen about a 10,000 application uptick in their application mm-hmm. numbers. And that because they're not seating any more students, they're still going to seat around 2,200 students a year, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, they're going to accept about 2,200 kids. If they have 30,000 students apply, if they have 60,000 students apply, they're accepting 2,200 kids. Mm-hmm. Number one reason Harvard is going to stay test optional through the class of 2026 is because they don't want to see that number go back up. 
They need time to be ready for when that when that acceptance number goes up because the headline, the year after they go back to requiring test scores and they lose those 10,000, those 20,000 applications is not going to be about, you know, what a, what a great thing it's been. It's going to be about how Harvard's acceptance rate goes up for the first time in decades. Right. And that's that's the headline that they don't want to have to deal with. The reason Iowa State and University of Iowa went test optional this year or maintained their test optional has more to do with the fact that the University of Wisconsin has remained test optional than it has anything to do with how Iowa and Iowa State really want to remove barriers for students who can't make it. It's because they know that in order to survive, to fill that freshman class, they've got to, they can't cut down their application pool. And if they require test scores and Wisconsin doesn't require test scores, they're going to lose applicants to Wisconsin. Right. And I get, I get it. They can't be, they, they can't come out and say that. They can't come out and say, yeah, no student will be disadvantaged because otherwise we might have to close. Like that's not the sales pitch they can drive. But I just wish they would say to students, I wish there was some way, I wish students were more informed. And I, I, I don't know what that process is. Because uh, again, I, I get why colleges don't want to make that the narrative, but that is the narrative. That's the reason that they're being test optional. Has it's not because they're hoping they know you just you're not getting the chance. It's they know they in order to fill that freshman class, they have to do it. Just the competitive nature of it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a few things to unpack in in what you just talked about. <laughs> I mean, I think the the first the first piece is you know all as much as I'm sure lots of people in these college admissions offices believe in the egalitarian aspect of this. There is a quantitative self-serving aspect of being test optional, which is that you get more applications, your acceptance rate goes down, you look more exclusive, right? Just mm -hmm. on, on the face of it. Scarcity. And then there's there's a secondary part of that, which is that it's a race to the bottom. And what that means is that if you if someone does it, then you have to do it to match them or else they're going to have an advantage over you. So then you do it. Well, now two of you are doing it. Then the third guy really has to do it, right? And it just keeps everybody goes mm -hmm. to the point where everyone's test optional, basically because they want the they want like the benefit that everybody else is getting from being test optional. So and, it's like the two parts of that. And there's plenty of schools. Um, I, I, I talked to the last time I was on about my own alma mater, Texas Tech, right? Texas mm -hmm. Tech out in the plain, you know, the the high plains of West Texas. Their mission as a public land-grant university is to provide a college-educated population for that part of the state. That's the mission of Texas Tech. So it makes a lot of sense for Texas Tech to have a way to apply and a way to be admitted that doesn't require a test score. Because you can mm -hmm. have plenty, but, but they're also admitting 80% of their applicants. So if you're already admitting 80% of your applicants, then there's definitely a way if your grades are at a certain level, if we can look at your application and we can see a, a history of academic success on your part, we can admit you without you having to take that test. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. My comment now, the, the interesting part of that is, again, having had Texas Tech on the admissions officers on my podcast, something like 80% of the Texas students at Texas Tech come out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So mm -hmm. Texas Tech's role is to pull strong students out of this area and hopefully get them to stay out there in West Texas with a college degree. Um, but that's that's really the purpose of, of that. That's a, that's not a very selective school. And so, um, yeah, have that possible, have that avenue to a college education there. But 
don't go on the Boston. I think it's be at Boston University. Their admissions officer, their admission dean of admissions, was all over everywhere telling people how no student will be disadvantaged. We ran the numbers, and mm-hmm. if you applied with a test score, students who applied with test scores were admitted two hundred twenty percent more frequently than students who applied without a test score. Right over and, twice and as often. Is- it it's not it's not that and the funny part is and I think this is what you're kind of getting at it's not that they admitted more people with test scores because as we already talked about test scores are a useful data point they they validate or invalidate kind of your GPA right because every high school is different not every college has a good window on what every high school's 4.0 means and also 4.0s are now a lot more common than they used to be so. It's like, yeah, this is a useful quantitative data point. It's literally a standardized test, which means you're getting a standard data set Mm -hmm. against the standard backdrop, which is helpful, right? Because you're comparing apples and oranges and pears. Like all these people are totally different. The problem isn't in admitting more test giving students. The problem is in the fact that they're being deceptive about how they're marketing their own participation in this test optional. That's world, what drives right? me nuts about it is, is I do think yeah. they're, they're making it sound like they're this, this knight in shining armor that's riding in to save the day for all of these kids. And that's not, you know, I, I, I keep referring back to it. My, 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 my podcast has been on a shelf. I'm not nearly as good as you are about keeping updated episodes. It's my, mine's been shelved for about a year, but my very last episode was Freddie DeBoer. And it was right after his article came out when he said, why the fuck would you trust Harvard? And that was the headline. That's his headline, <laughs> the quoting. Um, and, uh, but Harvard had just announced that they were going to, um, uh, it's a great blog post to go back and read, but it's, they were going to stay test optional through 2026. And Freddie mm-hmm. makes the point. Harvard has not sent an army of admissions officers onto the streets of Harlem in order to find that diamond in the rough that they can find. This is a kid that just wasn't going to get a shot. And now we're going to give him a shot. And that's, that's Freddie's quote. Um, what, what Harvard has now allowed themselves to do is to find that American born child of someone who owns a diamond mine in Kenya and can then have that student be in their, in their application pool, in their, in their instance <laughs> pool. And that's, we saw that in the lawsuit, the lawsuit that the Supreme Court's going to, going to rule on sometime next year. It was revealed that Harvard has what is referred to as the Z list. And the Z list is made up of people who can make contributions to the university. And if you are test optional and you are on the Z, if, if you have a test optional policy and you are on the Z list, then you can, they, Harvard can now admit you and it doesn't affect that scarcity, that, that range of SAT scores. Cause the other thing we've seen happen when schools, uh, uh, implemented their test optional policies, they consistently saw their average SAT scores jump up. Uh, the the middle fifty percent has shifted because now you have your kids who who might have 
made that range bright, broader and brought that range down a little bit. Now they're not submitting scores. So now you're only getting scores from kids who feel like their test scores are competitive and that improves your average SAT score overall. So it's like win, win, win for the universities, right? They get a bigger applicant pool. They have a way to admit students that can benefit the university. And they look like they're, I mean, maybe it's a fourth one in there. They look like they're, they're more selective and they can, um, they, they have a higher average test score now. So it's, it's just, everything's been great for them. Um, Right. And they stay kind of in the good graces of, of the diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. movement, which I still like, I'm very much a supporter of, but I do feel like it's just being used as the lip service vehicle for some of the other things that are, you've been talking about. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's all, it's all together. It like, and so this is kind of where I want to take this and, and maybe wrap it is the net net of all of this, right? I think we've outlined kind of the, the frustrations with it, but the problem is that students are coming in to your office misinformed about the real consequences of not submitting a test score when they're applying to schools, mm-hmm. right? And maybe not taking these tests as seriously. And I think that that is a huge, you know, it's a huge problem when it's not true. Yeah. If it were true, then fine, and right? I, but if it's not true, then that's that's a misinformation that's hurting students. And there's plenty of people that are going to say, well, that's his concern is because he's mis... I'm, I don't coming to my office, I'm here to help you wherever you are, you know? And yeah. I, I have plenty of students that I look at and I, I, I walk in and they'll be like, I've got this score and I want to go to this school. And I'm like, dude, we don't have anything to offer you. Um, my problem is that when I go out to talk at pub, at high schools and things like that, people tell me, kids will tell me, I'm out talking and they'll say, well, they were, they, they were told they don't even need a test score anymore. And I'm like, well, that's, Great. If you want to apply without a test score, you can. Um, it's just that we know that if you apply without a test score, if you apply with a test score and you know your te- it just makes gives you a much better idea of whether or not you're going to get into a particular school. Uh, you're never going to be able to predict the sub 20% applications. You're never going to be able to predict those. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you can you can tell if you're in range. And, and not having a test score makes it much less predictable. And it, it also is about, I mean, there was a story just, I, saw, I think I saw last week. I wish I remember the names of the two schools, but two more colleges closed last week um, or announced that they're going to be closing over the next two or three years. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they were both private liberal arts schools. And so um, the the geography, the the landscape for your your private liberal arts schools is not great. And um, so them coming out and saying no student will be disadvantaged is really about because they know they have to survive on tuition from year to year. It's really about making certain that um, they're getting those tuition dollars in. It's not about trying to deliver something. And and again, that person standing at that table in that school cafeteria talking about come to my school. We, you're not going to be disadvantaged without a test score at my school. They really do believe that, that, that 23, 25 year old person that's that they really do believe that. Um, But it's definitely something that's being uh, manipulated by the universities in order to, and that's all I want. I, you know, there's, there's an information asymmetry here that I want to try Mm -hmm. to solve. And that's, yeah. you know, that, that's my big problem is that it's the colleges are definitely taking advantage of the fact that they know the reality of it. Right. 
Yeah, and I think I mean the the most important piece of it is is the fact that they're not sharing their admittance data of tests optional versus not, right? Especially when they did originally and then stopped, right? I mean that <laughs> that that kind of tells you all you need to know, right? Which is just that they are admitting people with more test scores. I mean, I kind of use the language like. I, I think we're in a test preferred world. Yeah. But the problem is that students are being messaged that it's a totally test optional, do it if you feel like it yep. world. And that's not true. It's it's that a, a, you having a good test score will help your application. And that is true everywhere. Yep. I, and you know what? I think that's it. If, if they came out and said, we're test preferred, we, we mm-hmm. do prefer that you have a test score. At least to be honest, you know, right. um, because that, that helps us with a lot of information for, but it, you know, it, it, there's, uh, yeah, that's that's where I I get it or get frustrated with the narrative. Not about anything. It's about I'm very I try to be very honest with kids uh, whenever mm. I'm working with them. And so if they come in and apply with me with certain scores that aren't going to meet certain schools, or if they have scores they already need, um, I try to be honest with them about like here's here's your situation where you are. You don't need me, or you do need. Here's what we can do to help, uh, and right. be honest about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think that uh, that's that's the key the key thing in all this where the students are really losing, and I think that it needs to be fixed. Thank you. Uh, this has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Shane Bybee from Bybee College Prep. You can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, be sure to use the code podcast to get ten percent off.